Gap Year Universe. I'm Julia Rogers. And I'm Margot Brookfield. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. So Margot recently had the opportunity to chat with Jane and Jason Soroyan, friends of the pod, and also co-founders of J2 Guides. And they've been having some really fun adventures of their own this year. So Margot, tell us a little bit more about your conversation with them. Yes, so I had so much fun catching up with the two of them earlier this week. So as Julia mentioned, um, Jane and Jason are co-founders of J2 Guides, and they bring 25 years of experience in experiential education, as well as 10 years of gap year counseling to the conversation. Um, And they recently launched a new gap year counseling model, which they tell us a little about at the beginning. And not only have they been, you know, working hard on J2 Guides this year, but given the pandemic, they have taken off on a van life road tripping adventure, my living out my personal dreams. And so it was really cool to chat with them a bit more about that, especially considering how many students this year who are taking gap years and have opted for a road trip, um, knowing that of, you know, international options are not as feasible and wanting to have a little bit of that more independent adventure. So they tell us a little bit more about their van and road safety tips, where to park and camp, um, the, you know, chatting, of course, specific to the sprinter van life and mobile officing, but certainly relevant to students who might be um, road tripping. We talk about group dynamics on the road and how to really take care of your needs when living in a small space or traveling a lot. And also the value of the micro adventure, which is one of my personal favorite things to do when you are adventuring or taking off on um, a new journey is to really take advantage of the micro adventure. Is the micro adventure kind of the the largest ball of yarn kind of thing? Because I love roadside attractions. um, Could be the largest ball of yarn. Yes. Um, Could be just stumbling upon something interesting. And instead of, you know, pushing through, oh, you know, we're not going to stop because we're trying to get to the next place on our list. But, um, but yeah, seeing something on the side of the road or stumbling upon something and really taking advantage of that opportunity. Well, I know that, like you said before, I have a lot of students of mine this year who are taking road trips and they've definitely had their ups and downs along the way, but it's such a great way to exercise your own independence on your gap time, to feel like you're filling it with adventure and new experiences and to see some of our own treasures, right, in our own country. So I cannot wait for this conversation because Jane and Jason are just such fantastic people and uh, can really articulate this adventure well, I am sure. They're great storytellers and, you know, something that I think too is so relevant about this, especially right now, is just we're at a, a, you know, critical time for our country right now and, and it's such an important time, I think, to be exploring our own backyard and really digging more deeply into this country we all call home, um, focusing our efforts and attentions here and exploring, I mean, we have some of the most beautiful places, landscapes, things like that, that of, of anywhere, you know, and, and so many people don't get to experience that. Um, so, you know, the road trip being potentially a really low cost option. Um, and there's just something so magical about the open road. I think it's it's one of my favorite places to be. Quintessential American experience. Can't wait to hear about it, Marks. <laughs> exactly. So without further ado, let's get started. Thanks for being here. everyone. Today on the pod, we have Jane and Jason joining us who are longtime gap year counselors who recently founded J2 Guides, um, a counseling service, as well as what I've heard is called J2 Rides, which I'm really excited to hear more about today. So welcome to the pod, Jane and Jason. 
Thank Thanks, you, Margo. Margo. It's so good to be here with you. I know. Wonderful. Well, I have heard bits and pieces of your adventures so far, but certainly excited to really dig into more of what you have now turned into your, I think, year of van life. Um, but I would love to start by just giving the, listener, giving the listeners a bit of background about the two of you, because obviously you both have been in the gap year industry for a very long time and are a wealth of knowledge and experience. So um, maybe if you could tell us just a bit about what has brought you to this current moment of launching J2 Guides. I know this is obviously a very different model maybe than other counseling services. So just, yeah, why don't you tell us a bit more about it? Yeah. Um, so... Well, yeah, as you said, we've, Jason and I have both been working in what we call experiential education for 25 years apiece. So a long journey of um, being gap year students ourselves, being gap year instructors, guiding students on international and wilderness programs in our 20s, uh, sort of rising through the ranks and doing program direction and management, you know, running a national nonprofit, and, and, and then about a decade ago, moving into gap year counseling. And so I'm not sure either of us saw that move coming, but it really did become just the perfect culmination of all of our various experiences. And that's definitely one thing that families um, and colleagues, I think, really comment and know about us is that when we talk about gapping and when we share our advice and support and mentor students through this journey, it's coming from all the hats we've worn and, and real experience. You know, we're not armchair counselors. We, we've sat in all the seats. We've, we've been in all the roles. So, um, you know, and, and, and all those voices come through when we connect with families and, and, and our very respected colleagues in this field in talking about both the, the risks and the challenges and the rewards of these kinds of experiences. And something that's really interesting, I think, um, that Jane and I really talk a lot about, and we talked a lot about when we decided to launch J2 Guides, was that, as all of us know who work in this field, Gap Year, gap year is, is very niche in its own way. It's an experience that all of us feel very passionate about. We want to promote to other young adults. Um, we think that this can be really transcendent for many young adults into, in, as they move into their adult lives. And when we talked about what we wanted to do as Gap Year counselors, um, based on the you know, the nine years of experience we'd had prior to that, we really wanted to try and make gap year counseling more affordable to more students. Um, unfortunately, gap year, just based on inherent structures, um, has in the past uh, often been seen as something that only kind of upper middle class or, or, or very wealthy families can afford. And gap year counseling has gone right along with that. But any gap year counselor who spent time in the field knows that most of our students are engaging in a wide range of different opportunities, some that have a cost and fee to them and, and others that are free, um, some that you might even get paid for. And so we wanted to try and make gap year counseling as financially accessible to as many students as possible. So one of the keys of that is that we created a really low cost training of, of not only how to approach identifying your goals for your gap year, but also how to really become savvy researchers and be able to find experiences and leverage your own resources so that you could create your own gap year without a lot of support, if that's what you wanted. Awesome. That is, I think, just something that's so amazing about your model. And as you said, Jane, the fact that you both have worn so many hats as you can really see all perspectives of you know anyone who might be in this experiential education field. Um, and something that I think is really important for students who might be working with you to be able to have such a wealth of knowledge and experiences bringing that to the table. Um, and yeah, helping students build their gap years. Yeah, what were you gonna say? 
Well, I was just thinking, you know, in, at one point we were polling, we have this perfect crew of uh, a niece and three nephews who are 17 to 19 years old. So, you know, we love talking to them and picking their brains. Um, and, and one of the things that really triggered um, the first step of this model was when we talked to our niece, Lucy, she said, you know, I feel like our generation gets really targeted and judged for our use of technology in our phones. But at the same time, if people are arguing about who was the 40th president of the United States, it's going to be one of me or my peers that are going to pick up our phone and ask Siri before anybody else. And so she's like, we have the knowledge and we actually have tremendous skills. And I wish that that was supported rather than sort of penalized. And so that was a huge aha moment for us. We're like, you know what? And, and sort of one of our slogans on our website is, you know you best. We know the gap here, but you know you. So let's bring our best together. So we don't need to spoon feed students things they're going to find on their own online. What we want is to help them create a sense, find that sense of empowerment and agency. Exactly. So, you know, our three pillars are empowerment, affordability and expertise. So we bring the expertise, <laughs> the affordability we're gonna figure out all together and, and the empowerment is about really getting students engaged and charging this experience because they do have what they need to do it. We just wanna give them some more tools to do it safely and meaningfully. Well, and that's such an important skill I think that students should be getting out of a gap year anyway, right? Is that agency and empowerment and independence pieces of what they might not have had in high school, um, stepping into that new adventure on their own and, and curating what that's going to look like for themselves. And you did have, as I recall, I think an initially, you know, of course, in person, um, working with students in person would be ideal. But I know that for a long time, I think there's been a lot of virtual counseling anyway, but correct me, or I would love to hear if you um, can share a bit more about, don't you have online kind of seminars or modules that students can go through at their own pace and such to help them through this? Is that correct? Yeah, we created a, a, a four module online training prior to the pandemic and, you know, <laughs> Zoomification. Um, where we, we, we do, we help students make their way through identifying their goals. We call that wayfinding. Um, we talk to them a lot about budgeting and money management and help them have that first set of conversations around finances with their family, their parents or their guardians, which is a really important step into adulthood is really talking about money. Money is money is gonna be you know a part of their life um, as they move through adulthood. Let's talk about it. Let's learn from our parents. Let's figure that out. Let's figure out what we what resources we have for the gap year. And then we talk a lot about health and safety and risk management, particularly for students who are going to be out on their own. Um, and what are some steps for assessing risk and then ultimately um, learning the skills to manage that risk on their own. And then finally, again, really supporting students in moving forward as their own resourceful researchers and figuring out what are the right experiences for them and where those experiences fit within the progression of their gap year. Um, as gap year counselors, we really believe strongly in students starting in a place where they have good support and they get to practice the skills so that they can go on later in their gap time and really apply those skills and feel more independent and empowered. Yeah. There's so many um, concepts that are, it's not rocket science necessarily, but I think when students are forging into the gap year world, it's new. It's a little scary. It can be a lot overwhelming. And we can just, you know, drop a few pearls of wisdom and families, you know, like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, that's 
that a progression building a progression to gap year. Oh, resource mapping, actually exploring what other resources our family has beyond finances, like an aunt who lives in Taos, New Mexico, or, you know, so on and so forth. So helping lift the veil and the mystery from the gap year. And again, helping students feel empowered is a lot of what that first tier of service is. It's called Explore the Gap. And we teach it live, um, which is really fun. And so there is a sense of cohort. And then once the pandemic came and people's timelines felt either more expedited or more frantic, um, late in the summer, we then moved towards an asynchronous model. And so we also offer that. So students can also just get the recordings and all of our worksheets. And there's about 55 pages of material and we call it the J2 guidebook so families can download it and print it and it's beautiful and interactive and um, they have it forever to guide them through the year and beyond. Um, so yeah, so students can do kind of a cohort-based cohort model which goes over a course of two weeks or if they do the self-paced, I've had students complete it in four days. So it's meant to be like really efficient. Again, not rocket science here, just planting some really foundational pillars as students move forward into to planning their year. That is so awesome. And I think sounds like a model that can really work for so many different types of students, which is I think more than anything what we see with gap years is, you know, varying types of students with different interests, different, um, you know, ways of maybe going about an independent project like that. They might need more of the, like you said, doing the cohort based model or just doing it on their own and getting through it so quickly. I mean, it's so great to have many options for the many different types of students. Yeah. And, and, you know, as you know, as, as well as anyone, Margo, you know, no two students and no two gap years are the same. And so part of what I think we all in this field love about our work is it actually really is that first opportunity for students to kind of step off the treadmill and get out of the cookie cutter formula and really manifest something for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's such a huge part of it. And, and because of that, our model then also says no two students have the same budgets. No two students have the same aspirations. No two students necessarily have the same learning styles. So our model progresses from that explore the gap training. So you know, for those families who could be listening or who wonder, you know, that sounds great, but my kid's actually going to need more support. They're going to need a mentor. They're going to need someone in their corner who's not me, the parent, guiding them. Then we have increased levels of service. So then students get a feel for me and Jason through the training, and then they get to pick their counselor of choice. They really resonate with Jason. They really resonate with me, or they don't care. And then they can pursue higher levels of service or increased levels of service that will then get them one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions where we really dive in um, to their findings from the training and start to pinpoint targeted programs that fit the criteria that they identified on their own you know, with our structure. So, so for those families who are needing or wanting and can, you know, afford, and it's still really reasonable, more contact with a, a mentor, we are there for that. And one of the things I think both Jane and I really love about this aspect of getting to create a, a slightly different model of gap year counseling than we've been doing in the past is that many of the things that we go through in Explore the Gap are things that you never really had time to talk with students about, right? And and oftentimes families and students want to move just to the, what are the programs? What are the organizations? I, I just want to skip to that step, but the reality is there's so much more that goes into it. This is such a big journey. And, you know, you, you mentioned you know, we're, we're also on a big journey of our own right now, but it's such a big journey. And sometimes we all want to just leap right into it. But if we wade into it, we can actually get a lot, 
we can bring up a lot of juicy feelings and and insights that are really helpful and longer lasting effects after yeah. the gap year as well. Designing that intentional gap year, yeah. right? This isn't an accident. This isn't hasty. We're, we're really making conscious choices to make it count. I just so respect and appreciate that model. I think that it's so beneficial for students and so great to just continue learning more about the various resources and options that you have for students. And the fact that you've been able to pivot this year during, you know, what has proven to obviously be a really challenging year for so many, especially newer businesses, but to have a model that works virtually and that can adapt to this new um, normal that we're living in is is really respectable. I'm I'm so happy for you both. Um, and so I do want to chat a bit more about, as you mentioned, yes, your big adventure this year. And I know that I've been hearing that a lot of students this year, you know, some on our programs, I just hear that with the various travel restrictions in place, of course, internationally, the independent gap year is, is more challenging. You know, students that might've typically gone and volunteered abroad somewhere or done independent, um, travels, internships, things like that. It's, it's harder this year, obviously. And I've heard of a lot of students who are opting for a road trip instead domestically exploring parts of our own backyard here in the United States, which I think this year of any is is super important. And I know that you have recently started what I've heard, as I mentioned, referred to as day two rides. I want to hear a little bit more about your own personal road tripping adventures so far this year in your van. <laughs> yeah, well, so for, for a number of years, Jane and I have talked about the idea of buying a van or, or a vehicle and and packing our daughter into it and, and heading off into the great unknown to experience our country. And I think both Jane and I are completely enamored with the parts of our country that we've seen. Both of us have do a lot of outdoor activities, enjoy a lot of time outside, and we live in just such a spectacularly topographically diverse country and, and culturally diverse, of course, too, but just like the sheer beauty of, of this country is really a, a quite astounding, particularly if you've traveled to other parts of the world. It's it, We live in a really beautiful place. Um, and the pandemic really forced an issue on us, which was our 10-year-old daughter um, was going to be in school virtually. And so we had a choice to make this summer, which was, are we going to sit at home and keep doing what we did this spring, which was not particularly enjoyable for any of us. And, you know, could absolutely be replicated anywhere. Or are we gonna are we gonna make a move? Are we gonna make you know lemonade out of the, these lemons? And Jane late night one night was on a, a Sprinter forum and and then <laughs> they found her way to the Facebook Marketplace and all of a sudden we're looking at a van and looking at each other saying this could be the van and it's only fifty miles away from us right fifty wow. miles like <laughs> that there aren't vans in New England like this right so we contacted the seller and went and saw it and looked at each other and said, we're going to write a deposit check to this guy right now. It was like unbelievably, it was the right van. It's just like right there, partially converted, has some running water, has a stove, had kind of a sleeping area for one. So we thought, well, we can try and do some conversions. And we just leapt, right? And, and I couldn't stop thinking about our gap year students on our drive back to our home after we left this deposit check. I just couldn't stop thinking about these students like, this is it. This is exactly what students face when they buy the international tickets. Sometimes the hardest part of jumping into your gap year is actually the fact that you're committing to it. And by, you know, writing a $500 deposit check to this guy, we had committed to our journey. And all of a sudden all the feelings came rushing in, right? All the feelings of, "Oh my gosh, 
we don't really know how to do this. How are we going to work? How is our daughter going to go to school? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to sleep? How are we going to eat? What's it going to be like to live in a small van together? And and then those details don't really matter because the journey started, right? We got the ticket and now every the journey's just going to unfold how it's going to unfold. Yeah. Yeah, it's so so we are a solid month into van life. Um, we have experienced already the trials and tribulations of what that means. And um, everything from, you know, starting up the van, we think everything's kind of tight and where it needs to go. Because, of course, when you live in a vehicle and the vehicle moves, things fall. So everything <laughs> needs to be bungeed and tied and boxed. And, you know day two like the sun is shining and we're excited and the gray water which is a five gallon bucket that collects your water from the sink you've got to dump it we realize actually has a shelf life of about a day and it's full and we thought maybe it would be two days and of course right away there's just water on the floor and and so it's really distilling i think there's hopefully there'll be lots of opportunities to kind of share some of these moments but van life is distilling really simple moments. And I think it, again, is so much like what students are experiencing at Gap Year. We are cutting through all the excess and the distractions and we're like honing in on basic needs, on interacting with people and the environment around us. We don't have a lot of control over a lot of things. What we have control of is our attitude. I mean, this must sound familiar to any Gapper who's listening, right? So what we can do is our best to engage these situations with a healthy level of preparation, a healthy level of optimism, and and a real willingness to engage it. Like, all right, stop. We gotta stop. We gotta clean up that water. <laughs> we gotta. Now we empty gray water every day, and we know that. Um, and and that's just a small example, but it's it. Particularly with social media, obviously, um, you know, van life looks very shiny. It looks very sparkly and beautiful. And um, just like anything else, it's that's not the full and accurate picture. There's a lot of work to pull it off. Um, and, you know, true to the book's name, Chop Wood, Carry Water, it's really bringing us to that kind of mindfulness of daily living, which is something we pride ourselves already on doing, but van life has forced our hand even further. And it's something that is challenging and, and also that we, we really welcome into our lives right now. You know, in Gap Year, we talk so much about the idea of comfort zones and stepping out of one's comfort zone into your stretch space, right? Um, that that's, that's what this experience has been. And there's been moments where Jane's playing ukulele and I'm rolling out on a foam roller and our daughter's listening to her podcast and we're all sitting in the sun. And then there's been days where we've been trapped in the van for eight straight hours in driving rain and it's 35 degrees outside. And both those things have happened in the same week. And that's <laughs> and that's the that's the unknown, the mystery of the adventure, right? That's how a lot of authors talk about adventures. The outcome is unknown. And and that's every day yeah. right now. It's it's every day. Every time that van motor starts, it's an adventure. <laughs> and, and who do we want to be in that moment? Yeah. Which Jason and I live for. Like this is our life's work. And 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 there's there's really very little distinction between the personal and professional for those of us that have committed to this field. And um, and it's amazing to be really modeling it and living it every day with our daughter. But well, let's pause there because I'm sure you have other questions and I want to hear what, what you're going to bring our way. Oh my gosh. No, I mean, it's just so interesting hearing you talk about this because I, 
as I think many people have, have kind of idolized van life. You know, it is something, as you mentioned, it's very trendy right now. It's very like, I mean, I don't know, as you mentioned, there's not that many vans maybe in New England. I live in Oregon and there are Sprinter vans everywhere. I mean, it's wild to see how many people have, as you know, especially this year, I think when adventure might be harder to come by, have opted for this van life um, adventure. And I, I mean, one of my close friends has built out two vans this year that he was renting and then selling. And I've had multiple times in the past year, and this was even pre-COVID, of thinking like, okay, how could I make this happen? How can I, you know, take off on an adventure like this? So it's just so cool to hear that you two have been able to make it happen. Um, and I'm, I'm, I guess, first curious, what other I, mishaps or unforeseen things have happened like the gray water? I mean, what else might people not realize about the realities of van life? One, one thing that's been really interesting is engaging van life while working and while our daughter's going to school, right? So a lot of the images I think that we see online of people road tripping is people essentially on vacation or journeying, right? Or or folks who ne don't necessarily have another primary occupation that they need or responsibility that they need to tend to, which is awesome, right? Like Jane and I can't wait to take two weeks off from work and have a vacation where we're just driving around and seeing sites with our daughter and exploring nature. And right now that that isn't daily life. So if you are going to school remotely and doing a road trip, if you have another priority, if you're studying for something, if you're applying to college while doing this, carving out the space and the time and the discipline and also finding Wi-Fi and accessibility to be able to do this is a it, it is an important aspect that could be very easily overlooked until the moment that you realize when you're in the middle of New Hampshire and the White Mountains, the moment you pass a particular spot, you are not getting Wi-Fi reception. We we missed an entire industry meeting because I thought that we were gonna have it through these mountains and we did not. And that is so preparing for that means thinking ahead, thinking forward as you have to think ahead and forward for where you might stay every night, how you're gonna eat, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's that's an important aspect for anyone who's considering this along with any other primary occupation like going to school or working. I had been wondering that during the conferences you two were tuning in. So I'm guessing you must just have hotspots that you're relying on for most of your workday, or are you stopping at cafes and things? All of it. I mean, we kind of take a long view. We take a 30,000 foot view for the few weeks ahead um, and big events. So yeah, Margo, I love that you referenced the Gap Year Association <laughs> conference because we that those three dates were on our calendar for months and we knew right off, okay, so around those dates we need... Um, you know, we have solar, which can keep things charged up really well when the sun is out for many days. But like, if there's inclement weather, we're presenting at the workshop. We want to go to all these conferences. We know it's going to be a lot of data. Um, we know that we need to be somewhere where we can get shore power, which means we could actually plug in an extension cord somewhere to keep things charging, um, where our daughter will have some room away from the van to run outside and play. So there's a lot of forethought and thinking, um, like planning any good expedition of where we want to be and when. And in fact, two days leading up to the conference, we ended up booking a motel so that we could spread out and take showers and yes. do laundry. And there was a mini golf course our daughter could play on so that Jason and I could finish, you know, put the finishing touches on our, on our workshop. So there's also getting, it's really fun. I feel like my mind is just like prickling with stimulation all the time because there's so much thinking, um, 
about what what the needs are for the journey. Um, Jason was mentioning earlier, we were talking this morning before we jumped on with you, and he talked about this idea of the ship, the crew, then you. And the idea of, and we all, you know, not all, I shouldn't make that assumption, but we talk a lot about expedition behavior, right? Like, how are we going to comport ourselves as a group traveling together? And I think this is really relevant for students who are looking to travel with friends. And, you know, this success is really about, you know, starting with the ship, as Jason's talked about, like, it's the vessel, and is it safe? So did we have the things we needed out the gate? Yes, we had jumper cables, but actually when we needed them, which we thought we did because the van was dead in the water uh, about a week and a half ago, um, we pulled our jumper cables out, which we'd taken from our other car, um, and actually they were completely corroded, and the plastic was peeling off, and they were totally unsafe oh, no. to use, and we hadn't really given it the proper attention. Um, we also had said on our to-do list for months that we were going to get AAA, roadside assistance, in advance of leaving, which we hadn't. So, you know, we're, we're actually, we're grown-ups. We run a business. <laughs> we're parents. We are very savvy travelers. And we actually, shame on us, did not do all of the things and now, of course, we're, we're back up to speed. So, um, And in fact, we are stationed once again for a few days in a location because the van is where we're taking a next big leg. We're heading down south now. And um, so the van has been in a shop for two days getting a lot of work done. So making sure that the vehicle is safe and, and as good as it can be and that you're doing the maintenance. And then I don't want to get too far off the topic, but then when it comes to the crew, really making sure that the crew's needs are being met. And that's definitely a, a hiccup that may or may not be predicted, but you're really living in <laughs> tight space together, which is a massive understatement. So, you know, what does the group need together to, to navigate this journey? And we've actually already gone through a series of kind of, group circles with our daughter, the three of us, um, Jason and I pulling from our instructor toolkit, and we facilitated sharing goals, hopes, dreams, and fears. Um, we've done group contracts. We've done all kinds of prep work as a group, it's ceremony around fires and journaling to make sure that we have both identified for ourselves, but also shared with each other what we're hoping this journey is going to be, what we're prepared to do to help bring our best to this journey, that we'll ask for help when we need it. So um, the social aspect, I think, is another hugely important one um, when when that can be, again, a, a hiccup or bump along the road. And we've certainly had some of those. And then again, back to this idea of the ship, the crew, then you, then really identifying for oneself um, what we need and, and can we achieve it? And we've all already, I think everyone in our family would say, I don't have enough personal space. And that that's something that we just need to keep talking about and finding ways to support each other in our separate needs and passions. Um, and that's, these are, these are daily acts, uh, right? It's not like did it today. We're done for the week. Like these are things that almost on a daily basis, we have to really check in with ourselves and each other about to keep, this journey moving forward, not just like safely, not just surviving, but, you know, ideally, dare we say thriving. Mm, beautifully said. Margo, just to ask, to, to add to you just about the logistics, we, we are running hotspots. Um, so we have one hotspot um, that has 
um, I don't know, 30 gigabytes of uh, high speed data and then unlimited really low speed data for a month. Um, each of our phones has the ability to serve as a hotspot so we can log in with our laptops or, you know, an iPad. Um, so that's the way that we can attend meetings um, and we can do work. Of course, our phones are, uh, we moved to a different phone, a phone plan than we were on because we looked and saw that Verizon really has the broadest coverage over the nation and that felt really important. And I think one of the one of the great hacks that we stumbled upon, you know, one night in our, our late night research um, this summer was that there are pretty amazing RV Wi-Fi boosters out there. And they, they're pretty pricey. They run a few hundred dollars, but we mounted one of those on the van and, it, and it's got a little antenna inside um, that you point at your, your device, whether it's a, a mobile hotspot or it's your phone. And if you are able to get any bars from your device, it immediately boosts it probably three to four other bars. So you go from having pretty weak signal to having a really high quality signal and that has been a lifesaver in areas where you know you'd otherwise be wandering around with your phone um, that has been something that's been really great and is a worthwhile investment of a few hundred dollars because it's meant that we actually are calm in the moments that everyone's running around to jump on that last minute zoom meeting mm -hmm. wow that is a great hack to know of wouldn't have i mean i guess a lot of people live out of rvs it would make sense that they have nice um you know various tools and things for for that lifestyle but I mean, gosh, just hearing you all talk about this, I have to say, I think this is this would be family goals to me. I mean, to be able to come into an adventure like this with such intention, and I think really important translatable goals for <clears throat> maybe students who are venturing on their own independent road trip for their gap year to bring in some of those pieces that that they might not be getting from having a, a mentor there to tell them to, yeah, have you know intentional conversations with your your crew with your with the people that you're traveling with and you know discussing what your goals are discussing your own self-care and personal space i mean i i think it, i would it would be challenging to live in a van for a number of months with your whole family and so to to be able to have those intentional conversations or i can imagine it would be challenging for me but you know to have those intentional um pieces being brought into it is is huge and i think such a great recommendation for students who might be embarking on something similar um, to really be mindful of what that looks like for them and for them and their crew. Margot, a really interesting surprise, I think, um, which shouldn't be a surprise for Jane or I, just based on the, the amazing lives we've had a chance to lead, but it's a really good reminder. Um, oftentimes we plan trips around you know, a, a beautiful landmark that we want to go see or uh, a friend we want to visit or in our case, a program that we're going to spend time with and, and you know, have a chance to, to have a, a, a physically distanced viewing of that program and connect with students. But some of the amazing micro adventures have been the totally unexpected day-to-day -day moments, right? We, we were visiting a program and um, and I was really itching to get out and go for a run and there was, we were in a parking lot and there was a trailhead like right at the parking lot. And we really didn't have an idea about what was going to be on the other side. And Jane and I took off on this run and, and we're in a part of Vermont that is, is beautiful, but you know, we've been in some really beautiful parts of New England already. And we went on this incredible run past these just amazing rock formations, right? That you would never know were behind the, the, the kind of canopy of these trees. And Jane and I kind of just stopped and looked at each other and like, 
this is it, right? Like, yes, we have just been in Acadia National Park in Maine and it is spectacular. And it's, it's all of the, the superlative that people say that it is. And this is also a really special moment that we're having on this, you know, local trail that only locals know about. It would never show up in a guidebook or on all trails or, or, any, or on Strava. Right. And, yeah. um, and that, and that's, it was just a great reminder because every day we keep having those moments is it's the random person that you meet and strike up the conversation with at the front desk somewhere. Um, it's the, it's the side road that you choose to take and pull off on. Um, it's, these are the things that really add context mm. and layers. Mm. Um, and we all know this in the gap year field because we bring students out into this, but we can plan our trips around these big landmarks and people, but it, the, the journey along the way, all the, the micro adventures is really what gives it mm. the life and, and, and is, is so uh, rewarding. Mm -hmm. I love the concept of the micro adventure. And I think it's something that we often I, the general we in our society today where we're all getting from point A to point B, we've got meetings, we're working, we're doing this and that. I think it's hard to slow, you know, it's such a simple saying to stop and smell the flowers, but like to just slow down and allow those moments to take place. Um, Cause I think those are things that you'd miss if you were just trying to, you know, blast through your run to get back for a meeting or this or that, but to, to be able to have those moments is huge. Um, and yeah, I think such an important piece of this. And so yeah, just kind of bringing it back to, to van life logistics, I guess I am very curious and, and thinking too from a student facing perspective who might be doing something like this, where have you found, and obviously you have your van, you have you know your shelter, you have beds and things like that, um, but where have you found yourself being able to successfully park the van or if there's students who are road tripping and trying to figure out, I mean, are you at campsites? Are you parking just on you know forest lands or what have you found to be successful or is it just kind of a mixture of all of the things yeah great question we're still figuring it out in fact we don't know where we're <laughs> spending tonight so stay tuned Amazing. Um, well first like you know it's amazed i haven't said it yet but the journey this year that we've decided to embark on like jason and i have been dreaming about van life for over a decade i mean but but doing it now wasn't just about because we could, because of everything being remote, but because we want to help spotlight the American gap year. So we think about gap year and most people immediately think about international. And we thought there's a real opportunity here to visit gap year programs all over the country and help showcase the just tremendously profound opportunities that exist here in our own country. So our, our year is being built around visiting programs. So another kind of great hack um, and that I love is um, we use Google Maps and what we started doing months ago is we have three layers and on the Google Maps we started by dropping pins with all the same color and in a category that we call beautiful places. And those are like the national monuments, right, that Jason was kind of mentioning, you know, the, the, the macro adventures as opposed to the micro. And we just keep dropping pins. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to go to Arches, you know, I can't wait to go see Bryce, whatever it may be. Then we have a a layer called beautiful faces and we drop pins um, with our friends and family all over the country. You're on there, Margot. So we've got colleagues yeah. and just everyone. So, and then the third layer uh, is, um, I couldn't quite, didn't rhyme with beautiful places and beautiful faces. It's site visits, it's gap year programs. And then we dropped hundreds of pins over a few weeks and then zoomed out and you see clusters, not surprisingly. Your friends generally live in pretty beautiful places and programs are often based in pretty beautiful places. So we could see clusters and start to develop an itinerary 
um, largely based on season and also seeing programs in action. It's always great to visit a headquarter when programs aren't running, but there's nothing like seeing programs with students on them. So, um, so then there's the sleeping. So once we have kind of a, a general sense of the itinerary, then it's like, okay, well, what's this month? And then what's this week? So we've probably stayed 50% of our nights have probably been at programs um, locations. And we have developed our own very strict COVID protocols. We've written up a document that we send in advance to both friends and programs to say, this is what we're doing. If you are not comfortable, we 100% respect that. You've worked hard to build a pod, but if we can, we are in a self-contained vehicle. If we are welcome to stay on the edge of your property, we would love that. And of course, it allows us to really see the rhythm of a group, whether they're out camping on a wilderness expedition or it's a residential-based experience. So we've had the great fortune of being very warmly welcomed already onto at least eight different program sites. Um, and we'll spend anywhere from one to three nights on site. And we're not always hanging with the program. We'll do a day of shadowing and then we just perch and we work and go to school and um, go for our trail runs and cook food. Um, so and, and we've been able to see so many of our students. So then we can also kind of do a distanced hike or tea with students of ours and having some great one on one time, which has been tremendous. So we have the fortune based on our job to be connected with so many amazing programs all over the country that we have been doing that. I would say beyond that, we have yet to stay in a Walmart parking lot, but that will probably be I, that might be tonight. That will be in our so everyone should know that Walmart is very friendly to RVs and overnighters. It's a, it's a known thing, so that's always a good safe bet. We haven't done it yet. We would never put our noses up to it. We just haven't had to. Um, we've probably parked in three friends' separate driveways, um, and that's been tremendous. We've connected with uh, colleagues that we haven't seen for 20 years up in Maine, um, some of our dearest friends who live up in Burlington, Vermont. We were in their driveway for five days, and our kids were able to do a distanced wow. Halloween together. Um, so finding ways also to kind of keep nurturing the traditions and, and things that are so important to life that we're all missing. It's actually still really doable, you know, when we can become elastic and, and, and flexible. So we've done that. Um, another really favorite website, and it's a, it's a bit of a shot in the dark, but freecampsites.net. So um, usually it's free campsites. It's usually pretty primitive sites, so no, no running water, no toilets. But we had a night in Vermont, and it was 5 o'clock at night, and we were looking for a place. And we pulled up the website, put in our coordinates, and found, like, you know, yes, 10 miles up the road. There are five primitive sites, first come, first serve. We pulled in. There were two people who obviously had set up sites but weren't there that night. We found a site that fit the van and had a super magical night and got snowed on. And that was national um, forest land, just like you said. Exactly. So, so freecampsites.net has been great. So we're, and then as I mentioned earlier, we've even like, sure, we, we found a super cheap motel and um, parked the van. We still actually cooked out in the van and, um, but had a motel when we needed showers and needed time and space to work on um, a conference. Um, so a little combination of everything, but I will say, and I don't know if we'll have time to talk about expenses of road life. It, it can get expensive, but we've spent very little um, on campgrounds or housing, um, which has been awesome. I mean, it would be fine from time to time. You need to know what you you need to know what you need. Um, if you need a shower, if you need internet, if you need a sense of safety, if you need a break, you know you you. 
and it's the same as travel, right? We always tell our students, like, please don't get the cheapest hostel in, you know, Mexico City. There, there could be a reason why. And, you know, there's no reason to, like, skimp if it's going to compromise your well-being. Um, so that's always got to be paramount. But it's been really fun so far, and I suspect it will continue to be a combination of campgrounds and um, even woof sites, right? There are, there's boondocking, there's, there's a similar kind of um, many, many websites that support van lifers who just want to park on someone's land for free. And there are a lot of websites that support that as well, like kind of like woof, but that they don't even exchange, really require any kind of work exchange, but people who just want to offer that support to people who need a safe place to park for the night. That, that website is a very good resource. And I know, you know, BLM land, and I think that might be a bigger thing in the West, but is a great place too that we've, you know, that I've parked or, you know, camped on in, in a last minute pinch, but that's so great to hear. And so one of my other questions was around COVID precautions, which that's so great to hear that you have that, you know, your your protocols of what, what you're doing. Um, and I, I guess, yeah, it would be great to chat a little bit about costs for students who are probably, you know, trying to keep it as a low cost option. Um, what are other maybe tips or hacks you've found in terms of keeping your costs affordable? I think that the biggest way to reduce costs in, in road trip life is making sure that you're cooking. Um, eating food out costs so much money. And, um, you know, even right now with, with our van in the shop and not no access to be able to kind of get at our cooler and food, it's very easy, even on like the cheap end of meals where everyone's getting something for $10. Well, that's $30 per meal. That's $100 per day, right? So try and think about that. That's, that adds, so, up. <laughs> that, that adds up really fast in terms of expenses for food. So um, think about how, well, it would be really great if you learn to cook a few simple meals, if you don't already know how to do that on a camp stove, whether that's a one burner or like a classic Coleman two burner stove, can you figure out a simple pasta meal or two? Can you fig figure out a simple stir fry? Tofu keeps really well in a cooler. Meat does not, <laughs> right? So um, can you figure out um, a, like easy Mexican food like rice and beans? Um, we've moved over and, and are really appreciating minute rice. Wow. When was the last time as adults we had minute rice? But it's really awesome to only cook rice for five minutes and not cook it for 40 minutes, particularly from a fuel standpoint. So really making sure that you're prioritizing um, food and, and, and prioritizing not eating out a lot um, and saving that for a special occasion. That is so valid. And I, I recently discovered minute rice, <laughs> which has been an easy yeah, camping in the summers and things. I mean, there's so many things like that that you can get or get in bulk. And I would imagine um, being able to keep food costs incredibly low when you're cooking and yeah, save that for special occasions. Interestingly, buying in bulk, that this is the one place where um, it's tricky. And actually our food cost is probably a little higher than home because we can't buy in bulk because we don't have the room to store it. So, <laughs> right. So we, you are shopping more frequently in smaller quantities. So in fact, we've watched our grocery bill go up a bit. And if you're buying minute rice, it might be a bit more expensive. Right. Um, but grocery is different than eating out, right? So like oh, the grocery bill up, the eating out bill way down. The other piece we're, we're really huge fans of is, you know, supporting local. So, and that's okay. such a fun way to discover a place. So if you're pulling into a town, get the local free newspaper, Google online, go to a farmer's market. We have a joke and it just says stop and buy the 
granola. So there was a farm stand all summer. We kept driving by in the van and it had homemade granola. And we just kept driving by like, oh, that looks a cute little stand. And, you know, and, and finally one day, you know, we're racing to try and see the sunset on the ocean. I zip the van over and my whole family's like, what are we doing? I'm like, I'm buying the granola. <laughs> Gosh, darn it. And, um, and then it became sort of a joke, but a bit of a mantra for us, just stop and buy the granola. This is the journey. This is why we're doing this. We've been admiring it eight times already over the last few weeks. Let's just do it. And um, so supporting local farms and farmers and going to local markets can also just, it's not just then about the food or the local economy, which is also all really healthy and smart. But then it's those are the micro adventures. Now all of a sudden I've pulled over and I've got a coffee and I've got a fresh piece of cheese and there's a three piece bluegrass band having a little jam in the sunshine. And now we're all sitting outside the van and thinking, aren't we living the life? Mm -hmm. So also really sticking local again, not necessarily always the most affordable, but I think in the grand scheme of things, when we, when we look at the long-term sustainability of, of our economics and our environment to us, that's a really valuable trade-off. It's, it is part of the investment. The, the one other thing, Margo, I just wanted to share that we have really come up against and glad that we thought about in advance is that a lot of our uh, the places that we park, we can park more primitively because we thought about human waste in advance, right? So, and, and our body needs in advance. So Jane and our daughter and I feel pretty comfortable not showering more than once a week, once every 10 days. And that may sound, you know, gross to some listeners, but that's kind of the reality unless you want to pay to have a, a campground with a shower and a campground with a shower might run you 35 to $40 a night. Um, we installed a, what's called a composting toilet. It doesn't actually compost anything. It's just a toilet that separates, you know, urine and feces in our van so that we actually didn't have to pay to stay in a place that has a toilet. So you don't need to do that if you're van lifing in a car or a minivan, but you do really want to think about like, our bodies generate waste. What are you going to do about that? How are you, how are you going to figure that out? Do you need to stay in a place where you have like sit down privacy um, or are you okay with gas stations? Are you okay mm. in digging a hole somewhere? Are you okay mm. pulling off the side of the road and kind of being in the woods? And if you're not, you need to know that up front because it's going to catch up with you really quickly. And um, if you are okay with it, if you get more okay with it, your costs will go down significantly. Mm -hmm. And that's just really important to think about because mm -hmm. it's, it's a, part of daily life and needs. And Instagram's not showing that. No, it is not. <laughs> oh gosh. And I mean, I love, yeah, I love the idea of a composting toilet or yes. I mean, there's so many ways to, if you can bring a trowel and willing to, you know, live the, you know, more the woods life piece of that. I think that that's huge, but something definitely to consider. And the showering piece, I actually was going to ask about that. Cause I know, I mean, gosh, I, but you can also stop at a local community center or something, which might be a little bit easier you know, not in COVID times, but that also might run you 10 to 15 bucks to get into the community center for a shower. Yeah, you get used to take a cold swim in a river or, you know, in the van we have the luxury, we can heat up a little water on the stove at night and sort of do a sponge bath or we, you, you know, we use baby wipes from time to time to freshen up and, you know, but yeah, laundry and showering. Um, and again, with, with COVID and wanting to be responsible, we never presume that we have access to anyone's home. 
Um, we have been invited into people's homes. We've also been told we're, you know, it's really not okay to be in people's homes, but we are operating under the assumption that we will never be in anyone's home other than like a hotel or campground that we've paid for. So really wanting to be respectful and responsible during this pandemic. Um, and, and there are ways to, to stay clean and we would absolutely all be showering more at home. Oh, yeah. um, and, but, 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 you know, we're all doing great. And we're doing fine. And our daughter gets a good shower and those that hair goes up in braids and it's going to stay that way for about a week. And oh she's fine. God. Well, and what great lessons too for, for her, I'm sure. And just, you know, of course, yes, we all prefer to shower every day, but we don't need to necessarily. And it's very easy to survive for a week to 10 days without a shower or just with freshening up. I would imagine it's probably easier in the summertime when it's hot and there's a nice, you know, river or lake to dip in. I think in the winter, I imagine you might run up against either some polar plunges if you're up for it or that being a little bit more difficult. But, um, you know, also such a big part of the adventure. And we would recommend in your van life planning or road trip planning that you do think about temperature and you do think about where your route is taking you at what times. Um, we, we, we gambled on being able to spend October in New England and in, in kind of the northern reaches in Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont. Um, and we had a lot of 45 and 55 degree days sitting in the van doing work. Um, and, and that's pretty cold, right? We normally all live in a like 69, 70 degree air conditioned environment. So planning so that you can be in places where you can be warm, you can go jump in a river and feel like that's not a polar plunge. That's, that's a really smart idea. It's a really good hack is planning around the season so that you can enjoy the best of all of it, or really think about how you're going to make sure that you stay comfortable enough that you keep enjoying the experience. Totally. Well, do you have any final hacks, takeaways, pieces of advice that you think potential, I mean, potential people like me, maybe, you know, dreaming up my van life adventure or gappers out there that might be considering this? Oh my gosh. There's so, it's so, there's so much to say about it. I mean, I think it's kind of like any process um, that one would go through and thinking about travel or taking on a new experience. It's beginning with those fundamental, like, what is your why? That's something we're really focused on um, at J2 Guides, that hashtag, what is your why? Like really getting to the heart of your intentions and, and setting those goals early on. My goal is to like exercise. My goal is to ultimately make it to my grandma in Arizona. Or my goal is to just see more of our beautiful country or, you know, knowing what your goals are, and um, I think is really key on sort of the macro level, um, on a micro level, kind of almost on the totally opposite end, you know, um, the van life again is portrayed as this just van after van in gorgeous location and people are running and doing yoga. And, um, Jason and I are both really active people. And I will confess that we are finding like it's, it's hard on the body. Um, sleeping might be a little, you know, T tough on the body or sitting in the van driving getting miles in um, we are not waking up and doing sunrise salutations every morning as much as we would love to be doing some yoga so um keep your body moving and make sure that you take breaks it is never you are, should never be in such a rush that if someone has to go to the bathroom or someone needs to stretch their legs that you're like no let's just wait one more hour we've all done that Really? Is it necessary on a van life or road trip journey? If someone needs to stop, we stop. That's really our family rule. Um, so take the break, stretch your body, go for walks, have a van dance party, whatever it is. Um, Jason mentioned it earlier. I'm sure a lot of students are familiar with it, but 
kind of on that level of some micro adventures. Um, alltrails.com is really a great resource. Sometimes we're in these massive landscapes with the famous hikes, but we don't have enough time or um, our daughter doesn't want to climb up a huge mountain. So we pull up all trails and find if there's anything within a few miles and they're rated by level, family friendly, are dogs allowed, are there vistas. Um, so that is a great way to support. Don't always put off a five minute 10 minute, 30 minute adventure because you want to drive five more hours for a six hour adventure. Sometimes that, that five minute, 30 minute break is really critical and, and, and will fuel the mind and the body in the way that it really needs. Absolutely. Well, I, you two have provided such a wealth of information today for um, anyone considering this. And I, it's just really cool to hear on a more personal level what this experience has been like for you. I mean, it truly is an inspiration and just thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Um, thank you as well to everyone out here for listening, um, for some housekeeping before we sign off, you can find Jane and Jason at J two guides on Instagram and online at J two guides.com. You can find us here at gap your radio on Instagram and Facebook at gap your radio or online at gap your radio podcast.com. And you can email us your gap, your questions or comments at gap your radio at gmail.com. And lastly, you can download our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you have a moment, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that more people can discover Gap Year Radio. And for Jane and Jason, I know you might have heard this in the past. We've been trying to do our sign-off in a different foreign language each pod. Um, I imagine the two of you in your many combined travels have a number of fun languages up your sleeves. Do you have any language of preference that you might like to try saying, you know, thank you or goodbye in? Sure. Well, both Jane and I have spent a bit of time in East Africa. And one of my favorite goodbyes is Safari Salama, which means peaceful journey, which is really appropriate for van life episode. So Safari Salama. Safari Salama. <laughs> That's wonderful. Peaceful journey. Well, thank you both so much. Thank you, Margo. It's great to talk to you as always. <laughs>